We're going to keep talking on this incredible subject called transformation and learning what we are transferring from and who we are transforming into. So much of the church is stuck on changing and conforming their life to look like a Christian, to act like Christ. In fact, in the early days of the apostles, they were given the title, the name, the nickname as Christians. And the word Christians means Christ-like, that you look like Christ, you walk like Christ, you talk like Christ, you act like Christ. And that is an honor to be called the Christians. In today's world, we basically someone who says the Lord's Prayer, we call them a Christian. They may be saved. I know people who are born again, going to heaven, but they're not Christ-like. They're not, they don't look like Christ, they don't act like Christ, but they're, they're born again. They said the Lord's Prayer, and they're going to make it to heaven. But they're not Christians. Christians, by definition, means that we look and act and walk like Christ. And that is, to me, the heart of transformation. That no matter where we start, no matter how messed up our life is, no matter how many struggles we have and temptations we have to walk through, we never give up. And there is a pathway called transformation where you can walk out of the person you were and walk into the person that God made you. And it's not by willpower. It's not by decision. That must be through transformation. So we are on this incredible mission during this series to have a healthy description of what is transformation and using scripture to see that it is much more powerful than just changing. You know, the typical Christian goes to church. They learn about living holy. So they start to get rid of cigarettes. They get rid of drinking. They stop cussing and they start to live right. But see, even that's not transformation. That's a part of it. That's the beginning of it. But transformation is so much more powerful. And I can get you to see uh, in this series why you need to transform, why it's so important, and what's possible for you. You'll never be the same. So I'm determined in this series to take my time to paint a picture because so much of it hasn't even been touched on by the church. And we need to learn this. Uh, You need to learn this. I need to learn this. We should hopefully be able to teach it to others right after they're born again. Many idea of being a Christian is that I, I get rid of the bad part of my natural man, the cussing and the, the bad thoughts and the bad intentions, but I keep the good parts. Well, that's not transformation. That's change. Transformation is that you quit getting your source of emotions and your source of thinking from your natural man, And you begin to live out of the source of thinking and emotions of feeling out of your inner man. And we're going to talk all about that during this series. If you stay with me, you will have it in you. You'll understand it and you'll never be the same. You may have to listen to this series a few times, actually. But it will get into you. The scripture will explode inside of you. I remember when I went to a a school, they had a, a class where we had to go, the boys... Uh, it might have been sexist back then, or now it is. The girls would go to a class of cooking and sewing, and the boys would go to a class of mechanics and wood woodwork. You know, back then, what, it was just the way it was. And, and back then, you could smoke and be pregnant at the same time, too. So things have changed. But I remember going to that class. I was just a teenager. and never don- I understood cars. I drove cars at 16. In fact, I was driving when I was younger than that. 
And I, I knew we had wheels and it had ran on gas, but I never really understood how it worked. And I remember one class we had to take the tire off of the car and they had us take the take it apart and get to the brakes. It was a drum brake and we had to take every piece apart, take it out and then rebuild it, put it all back together. And that was my first realization of how complex a car is. And I say that because in our Christian ease, our Christian language, we have a saying that says, I I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. And that is a very accurate definition. If all you ever have in your life is that definition, and you don't educate more than that, then that's okay. You're still going to go to heaven. You'll have a a basic understanding of what it is to be a Christian. I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. But what you're going to discover in this series is like what I discovered when I took that tire off, that the tire was not just rubber and then the rim and then the brakes. That's an accurate description. Look at that car. It's got a tire. And that tire part there is rubber and then the rim and then brakes. It's an accurate description, but it's a description from afar. Because as you get closer, you understand why it's important to keep your tire full of air and why it's important to make sure your lug nuts are tightened on the tire and, and why it's important to get your brakes checked and changed and how to do it. It's much more complex than just, I got a tire, I got a rim, and I got brakes. And so I, that is where I want to take you to a a more specific definition of what it means to be a Christian, what it meant to be born again. Many in the church have accepted Christianity as being born again by by asking Jesus into your heart, and that allows you to become a child of God, and you go to heaven. And that's the basic understanding, and many Christians stay right there. I know for years it never dawned on me until I heard Pastor Dave teach over and over again, Pastor Dave Roberson, I, I listened to his messages on being born again. It's called the Born Again Trail. And you need to go to daveroberson.org and you need to listen to the Born Again Trail over and over and over again. You'll never be the same. And he taught that when you're born again, you receive a new nature. That's the Spirit of Christ in you. Not Jesus, not a little Jesus running around you, in you, but you actually receive a new nature that you were born a child of God. And I, I heard it for years and heard it for years and understood it the best I could. Then one day I was having coffee with Pastor Dave and all of a sudden I could see what he had been teaching all those years. I'd heard, I probably had to hear hundreds and hundreds of messages and heard it and heard it. And then all of a sudden I could see it. Like now it's mine. I now see it. And I remember looking at him and, and it hit me and I said, wait a minute, Pastor Dave. You mean I have a new spirit, a new nature? And he looked at me like, where have you been all these years? But I just caught it. Now, I may be slow. And I, I, I am kind of slow in the way I move and the way I do things. But I get there. Well, I had got there on that subject. And now it's so much a part of me. It's in me. And that's what I want for you is as we talk about these details, these little details you may say, 
okay, like it's not a revelation. I can just say A, B, C. It's an image. You have to see it in your own heart before you see it in the Scripture. Otherwise, you're destined to spend your life living on the surface of the truth. And the surface of the truth is still truth and still powerful. But when you see this image I'm trying to show you, the truth of it, the more details of it, you'll understand why. So why we have to go through this? Why is it that I need to pray in tongues? Why is it that I need to confess the word? What is it actually doing in me? Where is it going? What's changing in me? I may seem slow in this series. I may chase people away because they may say this is too boring. But I promise you, if you keep learning these things, the way you see yourself will change. The way you see your walk with God will change forever. And you'll understand why I put so much importance on spiritual truths and spiritual practices rather than just using the natural man. So let's go to our first main verse here, a foundational verse, anchor verse to this series. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, our foundational verse. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, I'm talking about transformation, but as I started this series, I've been stuck in verse 1, because we got to learn what we're being transformed out of before we can learn what we're being transformed into. But the image I want you to see is that you're born of the race of Adam, and you're born again, and in the end, when it's all finished, and this earth is burnt up, and the universe is folded up like a garment, and we're on the new earth with the new universe, that we will be standing there with a new body, outward body, and everything about us, will be all of God, and there will be not a hint of Adam in us. Even though we are born into the species of Adam, the human race, we're now a whole different creature, a whole different species from inside out. And so, again, the imagery here is transformation, that I'm not just a better human. I'm not just a behaved human. I'm not just an evolved human that now I'm good and nice and loving. I'm not of the human species anymore. I'm of a whole different species. The children of God. Righteousness, holiness is who I am completely. Not It's like in a worm. And, and I only use the worm because in the Old Testament, they call themselves, comparing to God, I'm like a worm. So let's use that. You were born into the, the worm family, and you were a good worm, but you're still a worm. And God, by your request, came and placed a new nature in you, a nature of an eagle. And now you have to quit living like a worm and start living like an eagle. But you're still left with the worm body. And that's the struggle with Christianity, is you still have a natural body that isn't Christian. Your body is never is not going to be redeemed, in the sense that your body, this body that you're wearing right now is not getting fixed up to go to heaven. This body will never go to heaven. This body will never experience the glory of God in the presence of God. This body is going to go back to the earth. And we will get a new replacement or 
a quickened uh, outward body where it'll be a new material and we'll live forever in that outward body. And so we need to learn these details so you can understand on this path because you're not the average Christian or you wouldn't be listening to me. You're hungry for more. You want more of God or you wouldn't be putting up with me teaching this slow. You would have went somewhere else. And so when you understand that this body that I'm wearing, isn't God's not trying to fix it up. He wants me to make it bow its knee to my inner man, my inner body, which is saved. And we're going to get into that. So let's get into some verses today. And we're painting the, the full picture. This is a series of transformation. That I'm not just changing. I'm not just conforming my, my life into acting like a Christian. My job is to transform from where I was in the worm family, in the the family of Adam, the human race, and transform, because I now have the nature of God in me, transform into a child of God, where I am in every aspect, living and walking at my core in holiness and righteousness. Who's smarter than God to make a way to take you from one species. He couldn't fix the human race. So the human race, is on. they're already born into death. They're already on a road to hell. God doesn't send people to hell. Adam did. You're, the human race is born to go to hell because of Adam's sin. And God's trying to rescue us out of the human race because he couldn't fix it. So the only way to rescue anyone was to make a legal path for us to be born out of the family of Adam and born into the kingdom of God. Well, that's a pretty complex issue. And the more I see it and the more God's been showing me all of this, then I'm seeing in Scripture all why it was so complex, why it took so long for Jesus to come and why it's not done yet. Why are we still here? Why must we still be here? Why didn't God just snap his finger and and rescue everyone? Because he couldn't. He had to legally make this path. And who's smarter to God than God to be able to take someone like me out of the family of Adam or out of a worm and make me his child while still wearing that worm body? And then I end up completely an eagle in his family. I, I end up completely a child of God in the end. And none of the worm or family of Adam human race is on me. I'm a whole different creature. But I exist. I went from one species to a different species. That's the end. Now, we're not there yet because death has not been conquered. We're not there yet because the work is not done yet. Salvation, the work for salvation is done. But the work for Jesus to take full ownership of the earth, and then because he'll be the final Adam in full ownership, legally, he'll be able to close it up, burn it up, and start again with the children of God in the new universe, in the the new earth. That's where we spend eternity, on the new earth. Who's smarter than God to be able to capture me, Alan, me, and replace all the parts around me without extinguishing me? So he didn't just rename uh, a child of God and extinguish me when I was born again, saying, okay, you're done, you disappear. And then here's a a new creature. Now I'm going to name you Alan. And that's why when you're born again, you didn't forget about your past. 
you didn't become a new creature completely. You were able to keep around, kept around while he going through this transformation. It's amazing what God did. And I believe it took more brain power, if I can use those words, more creativity for God to make this happen, salvation happen, than it did for him to create the universe and create everything else. The rebirth of the children of Adam into the children of God is the most creative thing God's ever done, I think. And it's amazing. It's a miracle above all miracles. And I think the church as a whole takes it too lightly. We've accepted a Christianity that's, you know, be good, be nice to your neighbor, morally do well, and all that's good. But there's so much more available for us. And we're going to see, hopefully see some of it today. So verse 1 of chapter 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's our reasonable service. He separates you from your body to take your body and make it a living sacrifice. So the first thing we want to get from this is you are not your body. You're in a body, an outward body. But you're not bodyless. You have an inward man and an outward man. Uh, let's go real quick to Second Corinthians. And just real quick, Second Corinthians in chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Another another of our main verses. Verse 16. One of our core verses. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Now this is in your Bible, so you have to be able to explain to someone what he means. I have an outward man, I have an inward man. And so that's in our Christian language. And, and But do you really know what that means? I have an inward man. Well, I have a spirit. People talk like, yeah, I felt it in my spirit way down. And I've heard people describe the spirit in all kinds of odd ways. But they don't understand that you have an inward man, an inward body, and an outward body. And they're connected. But one is light and needs to be built up and renewed. And the other is dark and needs to be mortified and sacrificed and put on as a living sacrifice. Therefore, as we, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inner man is being renewed day by day. So we're going to look at some questions here. I'm going to ask you some questions, and I want to try to answer them for you. So we're going to Hebrews, and we're going to ask a question. Hebrews Chapter 9, verse 27. And as it is appointed for man to die once, but after this the judgment. So we see in Scripture, it says that we are to die once, but after this the judgment. So Christ was offered, sorry, verse 27, and as it was appointed to man, for man to die once. So I want you to get those words in you. Die once. Now now we're going to jump over to Revelations. And we're going to look at something in this chapter 2, verse 11. Revelations. And I'm not going to... chapter. Don't get freaked out. Revelations chapter 2, verse 11. 
He who has an ear to hear, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. So now we have two verses. One says that it's appointed for man to die once. And then in Revelations, and then he'll meet the judgment. And then in Revelations, we see that he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. So now we see in Scripture there's not one death, there's two deaths. And we're going to describe that. The reason we're going into this, because it'll help you understand a little bit about what you're transforming out of. We don't want you just to be, you and I, just to be good men and good women and good Christians. We want us to be transformed into all that God has for us. Not just restricted, that I've restricted my my habits. I've restricted my bad part of who I am. That's not transformation. It's a part of it. It's the beginning of it, that we resist the flesh. But transformation is that we're living out of who God made us and who He who we are, and not who we were. It is powerful. I'm over here in Revelations chapter 21 and verse 8. Revelations 21 verse 8. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all the liars... So have their part. Now I'm going to stop there because sometimes you hear people say, well, you know, all the people who are murderers are going to go to hell because it says so. And all the people here that are sexually immoral and sorcerers, they're going to go to hell and idolaters. But then he says another word, in all liars. And so that's important we know that because that means that he's the reason we're go, someone goes to hell is not necessarily because they have a problem in an area. Maybe like exaggeration, because exaggeration is a lie. And that's in here with murdering and sexually immoral. So he's saying that by nature, that's who you are, then you end up in hell. It's not necessarily saying that if, if you struggle with exaggeration, you know, you go to the, your driver's license and they say, okay, they don't have a weight scale at your driver's license. And uh, how tall are you? And they don't have a height thing. They don't make you test you on those things. How tall are you, Mr. Taylor? You know, it's very tempting to add even just half an inch. And that's what's funny. Some some people are, well, I'm, I'm, I'm six foot, I'm five, nine, I'm, I'm six foot and one eighth inch. You know, we try to be as tall as we can in our culture. And how much do you weigh, Mr. Taylor? Well, I'm, and, you know, it's very tempting to shave off even just a few pounds. It's on your driver's license. It's going to be there for a few years. And uh, sometimes when, I, when I've done my driver's license, I say, well, my desired weight, where I'm going to get to when I diet, that's the weight that I'll give them, not necessarily what I weigh at the moment. Well, see, that's kind of an exaggeration. It doesn't mean I'm going to hell. It just So the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable murders, sexual moralities, idolaters, and liars all have their part in the lake of fire. So what that describes is that by nature, that's who they are. Not so much that's their actions. And we want to live holy. We want to get there to where we live holy. But I don't want want you being afraid that because you may be cowardly one moment and you exaggerate on your driver's license that you're now going to go to hell. The lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is 
the second death. So now it describes to us what the second death is. So there's two deaths. The first death is when your body falls off of you. And that's going to happen to every person in this world. Every person born in this world will face the first death, where their body will fall off of them. This body is returning to the dust of the earth. So remember that. The body that I'm wearing is returning to the dust of the earth. So when someone passes away, and I I went to a funeral not too long ago. It was a good funeral because it was an elderly Christian man. And so we celebrated his life and also celebrated that he was in heaven. His body was there. We could all see it. But he wasn't there. So we know he's in heaven. To be absent from the body is to be with the Lord if you're born again. So the question is, what does he look like when he's running around heaven? Does he have a body in heaven? Well, the new outward body, the eternal body, doesn't come until the trumpet sounds. So that gentleman is in heaven. Is he a a ghost, a spirit? Is he a little dot in heaven? What, What does he look like? Well, he has an inner man right now before he died and an outward man. So the inner man is just like the outward body. They're connected. It's a body. It's a spiritual body. And when he went to heaven, that's who he's in. That's what he has. He has a spiritual body. So you don't just live in a body, the natural body. You live in a body that is connected to both worlds. And one day will be disconnected. The inner man will be disconnected from the outward man. That's a death. And that's when you go to heaven in with your inner man, your inner body. So the people in heaven are running around and they look the same. You would recognize them. They're probably younger. We assume that uh, when Jesus died at 33, uh, was resurrected at 33 and a half, that that's kind of where we all will be. We'll all end up in a 33 and a half year old body for eternity because you don't get older. That's his inner body. He's All the people who are saved after Christ are running around in an inner body, waiting for their new outward body to come back and to have a new, refreshed connection between the inner man and the outward man that's in unity because it's all light. That man is walking around. He has his memories. He has a brain. He has uh, emotions. And all that's in heaven. But he's without his outward body. So I want you to see that it's not as simple as I am a spirit, I live in a body, and I have a soul. That's okay if that's as far as you ever want to go. But it's much more complex than that. Because if I have a body, I am a spirit. What do you mean I am a spirit? What do you mean by that? I am a spirit. So when your body falls off you and you're in heaven, what do you look like? Are you brainless? Because I can open up your skull in an autopsy and find out, oh, you didn't take your brain with you. Oh my gosh, he forgot his brain. He went to heaven and he left his brain here on this earth. It's gray. He left it. He must be in heaven going, uh, 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 uh. And he's got no brain. But see, when you're in heaven, you're not brainless. You're not without intellect. But it's from the source of the inner man, not the source of the outward man. So the second death is when you end up in hell. That's the second death. Eternal separation from God. 
is what the second death is. Now I'm going to chapter 20 of Revelations. I'm trying to clump all the Revelation verses together. In verse 6. Revelations 20 in verse 6. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God in Christ and shall reign with him for a thousand years. So the second death has no power for those who participated, who had a part in the first resurrection. Those who had a part in the first resurrection no longer have to fear the second death, eternal separation from God. So the first death is when our body falls off of us. Our natural body falls off of us and we're left standing in our inward body. So the way I think about it, I'll be about 104. I'll give myself that. I won't I won't necessarily confess 120. That's kind of that's maybe scriptural for some people, but I'm confessing 104. I'll probably start getting excited want to go to heaven. So I'll be preaching when I'm 104 years old. And I'll be preaching with my finger out, because when you're old like that, you can preach really mean and people will let you do it. And I'll be standing in there preaching, and Jesus said and I'll preach real strong, and, and all of a sudden the crowd will go, Oh, my goodness. And, and I'll, I'll be standing there. My, I'll be looking at my finger. And I'll be standing there, and I'll, what, do they just, what do they just go, Oh, my goodness, for? What's going on? And I'll look around to what everyone's looking at, and there will be my outward body laying on the ground. The flesh, the, what you can see visually, but what you can't see is the inward body. They're connected, cell for cell. You have a spiritual body and an outward body, a fleshly body. You have an inner man and the outward man. And when you understand that that's the connection is not just a body. You have a body that's connected to both realms. You have a soul, if I were to say mind, will, and emotions, emotions that's connected to both worlds, the spiritual and the natural. You are connected to both worlds. And those who participate are a part of the um, resurrection. You don't need to fear the second death. So now we're going over to... Well, let's go over to Romans chapter 8. Again, I'm just taking my time and trying to paint this picture for you. I'm trying to get this into your imagery when you see it, when you begin to learn about the details, all these things start to pop up and make sense about what goes where and why all this happens. Romans chapter 8. And we'll come back and forth here. Romans 8. Verse 10. We'll start in verse 10. And if Christ is in you, if Christ is in you, The body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. So, the way I interpret this verse is that I have an outward body of flesh and a spiritual body, an inner body of spirit. And when I received the new nature of righteousness, it brought to life the spiritual side, my inner man, and then left to darkness, left to death, my outward body. So now I'm like no other creature in the universe. I have an inner body that is alive because of the new nature, 
But God had to leave me in this outward body that belongs to the family of Adam. And that's why the moment you're saved, you have a war. Like a, It's not just a nice war, it's a, a trench war, hand-to-hand combat with your thinking, with your emotions, with the, the desires of what you live and where you go. Because now, all of a sudden, your outward man is left dark. And your inner man is alive. So now you have a, a fight, you have a source of emotions from your outward man, a source of thinking from your outward man, a source of desires and direction from your outward man. It didn't change, wasn't saved, it wasn't rescued, it's left. And that's the part that is going to fall off of you one day, and God will replace it with a new eternal body, 1 Corinthians 15, where that new eternal body will be as live and live and holy and righteous as your inner body. But for now, you're stuck with that outward body, the outward man. But was alive is your inward man. Now you have a spiritual body that's connected to the outward body. You have a source of emotions from the spiritual man. You now have a source of intellect from the inner man, from the spiritual world. And you have a source of direction and desires from the inner man. And they will not agree with the outer man. The outer man will not agree with the inner man. Did you ever try to get up and go pray and, and you hear that conversation? Oh, you, you're okay. You need to sleep a little longer. You know, or you decide to fast and after 10 minutes you hear, Oh, good job. You did good. I think you need to reward yourself with a cheesecake. 10 minutes, man. You're, you're like a superhero. Way to go. And you hear this negotiation to find some kind of food. And where's that argument coming from? It's not the devil. It's your outward body trying to lead you away from your inner, listening to your inner man. You have an inner body and an outward body. You always have. But now the inner body is alive because it, you received a new nature. So you have a new nature that brought to life your inner body. And you have an outward body that was left to death. And now there's a battle between the intellects, the emotions on both sides, and the desires and directions that you take. So that's verse 10. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the, Jesus from the dead dwells in you, so if you have the nature of him uh, dwells in you, raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you which dwells in you. So, through the new nature, if you have the new nature, there will be a moment in your future when the trumpet sounds that you'll be your mortal bodies will be switched over to a immortal body. And that's what it means by it'll give life or it'll quicken. That it's not talking about if I pray in the Spirit, it will make my body healthy. Now, what it means here is if you have the new nature in you, and you're struggling with your outward body and desires, and you're trying to overcome it. Keep fighting, but be understand there will be a day in the future when the trumpet sounds that in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, this outward body will be transformed, if you're still on this earth, into an eternal body of material that will last forever and always seek righteousness. It'll be as pure as your new nature. It'll be as holy as... Jesus himself. You won't age, you won't get sick, you won't desire sin. That fight that you have right now between the inner man and the outer man will be over that day. 
that is the message here. But until that day, it talks about all this groaning and struggling to make this outward body that you're left with. It's going to be replaced. But until then, you have to overcome it. You have to make it bow its knee, its desires and its plans, its emotions, its thoughts. Too many Christians are shining up the outward man, the outward thinking. If God could have fixed your natural thinking, he would have done it before you were born again. He couldn't. He couldn't rescue the natural man. So he is waiting for it to fall off of you. Or if Jesus comes and tarries before you go to heaven, you'll have a new, when the trumpet sounds, a new body. The fight will no longer be there. It'll only want what God wants. But until then, we're still with this outer body, and now our inner body is alive and light and wanting righteousness and holiness. And it is a source, a spiritual source of emotions, love, joy, peace. Those are emotions. It's a spiritual source of intellect where you can spend time with God and He'll teach your spiritual man the deep things of God. That goes into your spiritual mind, in the spiritual body. But it leaves your outward mind unfruitful. That's why you can have great times of seeing the Word and, and of thinking great things, and then all of a sudden your flesh will come and, why do I have these evil thoughts and good thoughts at the same time? You're not schizophrenic. It's because you have an outward body that was left on you, like a worm of the, the family of Adam. It's left on you, and you are responsible for what you let it do. You're responsible to make it submit, not to shine it up, but to mortify it, which we'll see here in a minute. Verse 10, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. The body is left dead and the outward man is left dead, but the spirit, the inner man, is alive because of righteousness. The righteousness of the new nature brought to life your inner man. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit which dwells in you. So if you have the new nature, that is what gives God the authority to give you a new body when the trumpet sounds. But until then, you're left with this old body of sin, of darkness, with an inner man now that is alive. So you have a source for both. Now it says, verse 12, Therefore, Because you have this outward body until the trumpet sounds. But it allows you to stay on this earth. And you have an inner body that is alive because of the new nature. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. So you're not a debtor to live after the old nature because the old nature is out of you. That old nature was taken out when you got a new nature. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. So if you live... And you are like those people in Revelations 21 and you approach God and you are a coward or a liar or a murderer by nature. You're going to die. There's no, that's the second death. You're going to see the second death if you don't have the new nature in you. But if you, by the Spirit, see, if you live according to the flesh, that word flesh there is a word that's used for your old nature. So if you live according to the old nature, you're not born again, you're going to die. There's no way around it. You'll face the second death and you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put the death, the deeds of the body. See, these are two different things. But if by the new nature and the inner man, 
the inner body, you look at your outward body and its thoughts and its emotions and its intellect and its desires and its direction it wants to take you. You're to mortify those, put them to death. So that you're not harming your hand or your the skin. Some people just think that's the body. We're not trying to punish ourselves or, or do those things. We're going to the real part of the body. That's the problem. And that's the emotions of the natural man. That's the intellect, the thoughts that are sourced from the natural man. They're the trouble. That's the real fight, the desires and direction, the natural part of your soul wants to take you. We're to put those to death, and we will live. I'm going to stop there because of time. Romans chapter 6. We'll probably cover all this a hundred times. I don't know, about the series won't be that long, but the imagery is there. Uh, Verse 2, or verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? So, now that I'm born again and going to heaven, should I keep sinning? Because I'm still wearing a body that keep wants to sin. Certainly not. Now I have to fight that sin. Before you were saved, you had nothing to really fight the sin except discipline and willpower. But now you have a new nature. You're a new creature wearing the body of an old creature. And that old creature is trying to tell you who you are. That's like you being resurrected out of a worm. You're now an eagle. And the worm body is trying to tell you how to fly. But the worm body has never flown. It has no idea how to act like a Christian. Your outward man has no idea. It has no... Quit letting your outward man tell you how to live, who you are, how to serve God. Start listening to the inner man, the spiritual body, the spiritual intellect. Start living out... This is transformation. Certainly not. How should we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us who were baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death? Now it's talking about dying again. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, Certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man, now this is talking about the old nature, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin, talking about the old nature, might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. So now, by nature, you're no longer condemned to live for sin. You can now have a fighting chance. doesn't mean sin's going to just roll over. Your outward body still desires sin, but your inner man desires righteousness and holiness. So we don't allow the outward man to tell us who we are anymore, to lead us anymore. Again, we're not trying to shine out the outward body. We're trying to mortify the deeds and desires, emotions and intellect of the outward man. For he who died has been freed from sin. Now, there's a lot of talk of death here. Death here is more important than life because unless you died... You cannot be resurrected. So what part of you died, this isn't just symbolic. This is practical. It's like looking at the brakes of a car and, and, wow, there's lots of parts here. Paul here is trying to give you the parts of what happened when you're born again. You're not just going to go to heaven. There's a lot of things had to happen for you to to get there. And so you have that nature of life in you. It brought to life the inner man. 
And now you are to make the outward man and mortify the deeds of it. So now you, can, you don't have to wait until heaven to be free, to walk free. You're free now because you have a new nature of light, of righteousness, and it brought to life your inner man. Now from the inner man, you look over to the outward man and you begin to make it obey the word of God. It's going to squirm and gall and try to talk you out of it. But as you do the practice of mortification, and we'll get into that another time, but killing it, not the outward, not the body, not the skin, the bones, we're not to scar ourselves or any of that ridiculousness. It's the desires, that's the emotions, the natural soul, the natural part of your soul, the source of who tells you who you are, how to be secure, how to feel safe. It's a liar now. It doesn't understand who you are as a believer. And so from the inner man, you're to put to death the outward man or make it mortify it. But it says here that you died. Uh, Verse 9, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. That the life that he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, likewise you reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body. So it describes not a body, but the mortal part of your body, the natural part of your body. So I want you to see it's so much more complex just from reading these scriptures than I am a spirit, I live in a body, I have a soul. He's saying here you have a mortal body, which means you also have an immortal body. You also have an inner man, a spiritual body, an inner man and an outward man. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. So your mortal body This outward body is the source of your lusts and desires. That's the fight that you're in. You're not messed up. You just have a natural body that's messed up. But the real you is alive and light. And now from the real you, you can look at the desires of your natural man and say, Stop it. I'm not going to give in to you. And that is a fight. But there is a, a process of mortification. And that's what we're killing is the desires. Um, I'm trying so hard just to not overdo it. Because sometimes I have that habit of getting too excited and just overdoing it. Trying to make you chew too much at one time. Let's go to one more verse. And I'm so proud that you're still with me and listening and learning. Because you learn this, let me tell you. If you can see it. And I'm praying that God has the anointing of the teacher on us today. That you'll be able to see what he showed me in the scripture. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes right after, right before the Song of Solomon. <laughs> Verse 6. Remember your creator before the silver cord is cut. Remember your creator before the silver cord is cut or broken. Or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the well. So, remember your Creator before the silver cord is cut. See, there's a connection between your outward body and your inward body. Here he calls it the silver cord. They're connected. But every person born has an inward body of spiritual and an outward body of mortal, carnal, 
uh, meat, flesh. And the outer body has the emotions, natural, but the inner body also has emotions, spiritual based. The outer body has intellect, the mind. The spiritual body has a mind, an intellect that God speaks to. You can learn the deep things of God when you're born again. You have desires from both ends. And you have a nature. The nature of darkness was what ran everything. But when you were born again, that nature brought to, was replacing or quickened where you received a new nature of light. And that brought to life your inner body. But you're still connected to an outer body. Here it calls it the silver cord that connects both. And when someone dies, that cord is severed. And that's why the, you can see someone, when they pass away, their body is silent. But they're still alive. They live forever. Everyone born exists forever. The first death is one we're never to fear when our body falls off of us. If you're born again, you never have to worry about your first death because you'll be in eternity with God. The second death is when we are eternally separated from God. And if you're not born again, you need to be afraid because the moment that cord is severed, then you'll be in the presence of God. And if you're not born again, you can't get born again after that. And what happens is that's the moment your inner body separate your inner body separates from the outward body. The outer body kind of falls off of you, but you're still there. You exist forever. And if you're born again, you exist forever with God. And if you're not born again, you exist forever in hell or the lake of fire eventually. So we want to be born again before that cord is cut. But you're not running around heaven without your mind because you have a spiritual mind. Everyone has it. And when your nature was dark, every part of you was dark. There was no argument because your inner man was dark like your outer man. But the only path for salvation was to put a new nature in you while you're wearing this outer body. To bring alive your inner man. Now it was quickened. Like it's now alive and as much as it's only from God. It's pure. It can understand the things of God. God can speak to you now and, and walk with you because that's who you really are. But you're still wearing the outward body. The outward body is not just skin. It's the brain, the emotions, and the desires and directions it wants to take. But your inner man also has an intellect. It has a spiritual brain that's connected to the outward. It's a trench warfare because they're so connected that it feels when the thought comes from your inner man that says, you know, you should be insecure. It feels like you, but it's not you. It's your outward body. When the desire for sin comes and says, you need to sin, it can feel like you. That's why I want you to quit saying, I am a liar, or I'm a luster, or I'm a, a stealer, or a whatever, whatever you're struggling with. I don't want you to say that's you, because that's not you. You can say, I struggle with this, but I'm getting over it. I'm going to overcome it. Because the real you, when this body falls off of you, you're going to be just like Christ. You'll be perfect. And then eventually, from 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to receive a new outward body that is connected to this inward body, like this one is, but it won't fight you because it's going to be as righteous and pure as Jesus himself. You will have those, and for the rest of eternity, your nature is of Christ, your inner man's of Christ, and now your outward man is of Christ. It's amazing. What God did is so amazing. Verse 7. 
Then the dust, or verse, verse 6, will remember that you're creator before the silver cord is cut. Or the golden bowl is broken. Or the pitcher shattered at the fountain. In other words, it's too late. Once someone dies, that connection between the inner man and the outer man is broke. And if you're, if the inner man is dark, you spend eternity in hell. You face the second death. And you'll, God will judge you and send you to hell because you have the nature of darkness in you. But you were born again. And so now you faced what we saw in, in Romans 6 is you died. You already died. You faced that second death. And you'll never have to face it again because when you're born again, you died. And technically, you died and he resurrected you to life. What part of you did he resurrect to life? Was it your outward man? No. He brought life to your inner man that you were resurrected in newness of life, but you died. That's you dying to the old nature, dying and receiving a new nature. And the inner man was brought and resurrected to life. Now you are alive in Him. You will never face the second death unless you go down a really bad path and you give up your new nature and then you're back to facing your second death. But the new nature is in you, so you already faced your second death. So the only thing left for you is for your body to fall off you. We're not to be afraid of that. Verse 7. So remember your creator before the silver cord is cut. Then once you die... When someone dies, then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. So I want you to see that he's talking here about the inner man and the outward man. The dust, this dirt, this outward body of dirt. I eat a cow who ate the grass that came from the earth. And I ate it, and it built fingernails and nose and hair and eyeballs and Somehow from eating stuff that comes from the earth, those minerals were, my body knows how to build itself and make mineral from minerals. And if you were to break me down, I have a, a dear friend who passed and got cremated and I carried his ashes. And the whole body was broken down to ashes of minerals that came from this earth. So our body goes back to dust because that's what it's made of. It's made of this earth. And so I want us to see here, in fact, I'm going to take a minute, I want to underline this for my own good. Spirit and dust. Then the dust will return to earth as it was. So this outward body will return to earth as it was. And the spirit, the inner man, the inner body, will return to God who gave it. So you have an inner body that's alive, connected to an outward body. And what dies when you were born again? The nature died. The old nature, who you were born from Adam died, and God resurrected you in a new family, but had to leave you in this outward body. And so the transformation is stop living out of the So How do we stop living out of the source of our natural man's thinking, our natural man's emotions, our natural man's desires and direction? How do I stop living and thinking and being moved by that. When I now have an inner body that's alive by the new nature, that is a source of intellect and thoughts, is a source of emotions, but only pure emotions, and is a source of desires and directions that will only lead me into my Father's will. How do I live out of there 
instead of living out of my natural man. And that is a transformation. Not fixing up the natural man, not trying to make the natural man understand God, not trying to make the natural man better, but to mortify it, to quit living out of the good and the bad. Quit living out of all of it and start to really see and live who I am. It's not just a choice. I'm choosing to live out of my inner man. It's a transformation. It's a traveling. It's going from one to the other. I've said way too much. Thank you for putting up with me and listening to all this. And we're going to get deeper and better. And I hope you can stick with me during this series. I love you. God bless you. Bye-bye.